What's up, everybody? This week, I'm joined by Sarah Connolly as we sit and talk about the childishly named, but surprisingly deep, Dookie by Green Day. That and a whole lot more is to come, because maybe I got no motivation when I'm all by myself. Welcome to the show. And so here we are again, guys. Hope everybody is doing well. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 5 of the podcast. This I don't know. It's 5. F- 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 hope everybody is doing well. John here, joined by Sarah. Sarah, how are you doing? Hello, hello. I am good. It's good to have you back on. Yo, since the last time I've recorded with you, like, you've changed setups. Yeah, I know. You've changed locations and setups. And, and so this seems like... All kinds of professional little, little now. Like, yeah. I feel like I'm in a little booth thing. It's it's cool. Yeah, headphones and, you know. I know. Because <laughs> what, what, people, what people, my people might not understand is the first, like, three and a half seasons were recorded in our bedroom. Yeah. Or in my office at work if I had yeah. somebody there. And it was just, it was a nightmare through. Now, I'm, I'm finally glad I've got a space. I've st- we're still nowhere near finished in here. Oh, no. No, so um, that's one of the reasons why you see all the flags in the video games. So, you know, it's, uh, so what have you been up to? I mean, you know, I know what you've been up to, but, you know, you have fans out there. Remember, we're huge in Sweden. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, no, just um, doing some writing cool. and some graphic design work. And herding cats, which translates into taking care of all God's children. And um, just surviving, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's been been fun all these last few weeks, huh? Yeah. I mean, you know, we've, um, we've actually started to, you know remove ourselves from situations that we were in and, and it's, it's it, we're doing good. I know it's, it sounds like I'm rabbiting, but uh, now I wanted to uh, bring something up, and I know uh, I, I don't know if you you were aware of it or not. Um, I want my use of the word guys a lot. Um, I just want to clear that up because uh, I've noticed uh, some folks on the video game side of things are not uh, you know why do I say guys all the time? Why do I say guys? That's my like catch-all term that means everyone. Hmm. Um. It, it doesn't just really mean you know dudes. It just means everyone. Okay. Well, change it to folks. Well, I'll say folks. I'll try and say folks. I'll try and say. Well, folks. no, because folks is technically the 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 all inclusive term that one should use. Yeah, and I mean it's it's not that I'm a you know. It's, it's it's it's. Oh no, no, I know this, but just so everybody, you know, in the in the yonderverse. In the yonderverse. In the yonderverse. That's the right. Yonderverse. So what what? How do you feel about Spidey no longer being in the? Oh universe? no no mm-mm, mm-mm. no! Since the last time we've talked, since the last time I have been on the show, Marvel has killed me. Many times over in between Captain Marvel and um, Avengers Endgame and now Portal Spidey. And I'm just I'm done like they carved my heart out with a spoon. So, uh-huh. well, I, yes. th- I think it's um, that's our meme yesterday that was um, Tobey Maguire mm-hmm. holding the number three. Mm-hmm. And Tom Holland and whoever the other Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield, Andrew Garfield just yeah. sitting there crying because uh, <laughs> they're not getting their third movie. Um, no, I th- uh, weird thing is, though, why do they keep rebuilding Spider-Man? Like, we're, we're on our third well, Spider-Man Sony now. Sony kept doing it because they just wanted more money. And um, eventually they realized after the second Andrew Garfield one, I'm, I'm thinking it didn't do as well. No. So um, they realized that they were pretty much, you know, there wasn't any point in them redoing it anymore. And then Marvel got their, their house in order and wanted to bring 
Spidey back into the uh, the MCU, which they did during Civil War. Yeah. Under ruse. So, um... <laughs> oh, I made up names. I know, right? Um, but, uh, yeah, so they brought it back, and that was the whole point of Homecoming, you know? Okay, I got you. Um, which was the first one out of the MCU. So, um, but now, you know, Disney owns Marvel now, and Disney is all for keeping things going, but they... Well, even though Sony owns the rights, they want Sony to put down some of the money to uh, on pre-production, and Sony's refusing. They just want to collect their check and not 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 invest anything. And Disney's, Disney's like, I then so. And I mean, I I can, I can understand it coming from Sony's point of view as well, even though I don't agree with it. You know, it's like. Well, I mean, you're guaranteed to make money. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's not like it was before. I mean, I could see them not wanting to go out on their own and fully do a movie and and take that that full financial liability. But right now, Tom Holland and 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 the MCU are hot. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah, and so now he can't even pop up in any of the other franchises. No, no, like he can't. And I think okay, I can understand the where Sony's coming from in this because right, imagine. You own a lawnmower, right? You own this lawnmower, and you bought it from your neighbor. And your neighbor one day says, hey. <laughs> I'm just thinking of our neighbor. Go ahead. Right. And your neighbor says, hey, I'd like, to, I'd like to use your lawnmower. I will pay you to use your lawnmower. Okay. And then after, like, two years of successfully mowing the yard, right. I go, can I have my lawnmower back? Or do you want to just share it? It's like, okay, we'll share it, but um, I'm going to need you to put a tank of gas in it every week. Yeah, but no, that, that's not how it went. Well, that's that's similar, yeah, no, though. But, no, it's not. Because Sony made money. Like, Sony, yeah, they did. But Sony wasn't going to make any more movies. No. They were just sitting on these rights, and Marvel went and made them a butt ton of money. Okay. And so it's like, hey, we want to continue making you money, um, but this time, can you hop in on it a little bit? You know, help cover some of the upfront costs, and you're going to get more than repay back we don't want to it's 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 our stuff that you use in you paying us to use it we don't have to kick into it that, that that's i guess where sony's come from not that i'm defending them because sony's yeah you evil. are but it's okay well i'm just looking at it from the alternate side of you you know what it is no it's selfishness though no, it I mean, is selfishness. and it's ridiculousness why, why make millions when you can make billions i get it you know it's greed it's completely and utterly greed it's just you know i can understand from a business perspective where they're coming oh, no, from no. No, it's not even that. Because from a business perspective, it makes sense to make the investment to get the, the, the to get the return. But um, what it all boils down to is Sony's still trying to prove that it's relevant. Yeah, they're still trying to prove we're going to do this because we still technically can. Because we're Sony, mm-hmm. and because well, most people, you know, Sony Entertainment. I mean, oh my word, it's it's yeah. I mean. With the, with the changes in how things are viewed, with changes how things are listened to these mm-hmm. days, you know, I can understand Sony, you know, trying to keep its relevancy. And I mean, they're even trying uh, with their electronic stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. with the streaming services, people people might not realize, but with the streaming services, no, now nobody buys any Sony electronics anymore. Oh, well, yeah. And even except TVs. The, except the PlayStation. You well, know? yeah. But I mean, even TVs, LGs killed them there. Yeah. So. I mean, it's whatever. Sony's going to do what Sony's going to do. I, I think we haven't heard the end of this. I think there will be movement because once Sony realizes that they're not going to make any money off of this, they'll jump in. But Marvel will have them over a barrel at that point. 
Well, yeah, because I mean, at some point they're going to have to get. At some point they're going to need the money. Yeah. I mean, was it Sony the ones that had those email leaks years ago? Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, Sony yeah, yeah. that had the email leaks, and yeah. not only the email leaks, they had the uh, data breaches too. Yeah. So I mean, uh, and they're still recovering from all that. So I mean, at some point they're going to realize they they need the money. They're going to come cap in hand, please, please take Spidey. Please, please, you know, and you know the way so, the way uh, electronics are going right now in in uh, Japan and in Europe and in the United States. You know, Sony might be, uh, you know, looking for protection for too much longer. Well, I mean, at the Maybe. end of the, it, it, oh, hypothetically, right? Uh, but, app- apparently, right? But I mean, it, it's greed because Sony d- didn't actually make part of the agreement was that they d- they didn't actually make money off of the. Um, the movies that he cameoed in. So they didn't make anything off of... And what it is, is they didn't make anything off Infinity War and Endgame. Ah, uh, okay. And that's what it is. They're, I mean, you know... They're at, smart enough that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because Endgame is the n- number one of all time. But Spidey made a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Um, In and of itself. Because I so, think Tom Holland is just a likable cat, you know? Oh, he's amazing. And and, and I'd, I'd say, okay, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, he was a nerd, but he was yes. an elite nerd, if yeah. that makes sense. Whereas Tom Holland's Spider-Man, he's a vulnerable, excitable child. Yes. You know, and more to the Peter Parker of the, of the comic books. Right. So, you know. He's amazing. But um, you can tell my limited uh, knowledge of the Marvel Universe, because I have no idea, you know, about all this stuff. Because the thing is... So I'm surprised you're bringing it up. Well, no, okay. I'm bringing it up because, you know, you're it's here relevant. and something uh, no. that, that you want to... It the, makes the, me happy. Yes. Well, right now, this does not make me no, happy, make but Marvel happy. makes me happy. And, and the reason is that I'm not a big fan of the comic book movies, because they're all... I don't want to say they're all the same, but, you know, it's it's Tom Cruise-ish. No, it's not. But that's okay, guys. I I, uh, I, I have this argument with him a lot. Yeah, it's so. okay. It's mm-hmm. okay. But, you know, she, she likes Marvel. I like... Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I didn't watch... I didn't even like DC. Mm. But then again, I don't think anybody likes DC movies, you know. Our boys do. Uh, well, you know, Affleck, man. It's a shame. Mm. He was the bomb in Batman. Bombing Phantoms. Uh, <laughs> right. So, um, okay. so uh, before we move on, guys, I just want to give you guys a heads up. Uh, we Batman all... hasn't been the same since, you know, Clooney and the Batnips. No. Well, I don't know. Christian Bale was awesome. I know. Because he's Christian Bale. But Batnips. Batnips, yeah. And Batcrotch. Hmm. Why, well, hmm. why was Alicia Silverstone the only Batman character not to get Batnips? Robin got them. Only Batman in that movie. Because that would be... You can't put Batnips on Batgirl. Can't put Batnips on Batman, but you there can't. you go. Well, yeah, <laughs> but it's... Yeah, but male top, you know, toplessness is allowed. Yeah, I know. But Did you really just ask? I, I was trying Ooh, to be... I was trying to be, you know, level. this is what I live with. Hey, it's, it's a 90s Alicia Silverstone. <laughs> okay. We're just going to stop right here. Okay. Because uh, I've, <laughs> I've opened Pandora's box, as it were. And talking to Pandora, guys, if you were listening to this right now, um, by the time this comes out, I'll have submitted the feed to Pandora. So we sh- we might be on there. We might not. I will give you a definite heads up when it's going to happen. Um, I tried to get back on Google this week as a time of recording. And we're not going to be on Google Podcasts. It's just that it, it's not going to happen. Unfortunately, I can't fix it i'm gonna try again in about six months and maybe maybe it is maybe it isn't 
Also, uh, we've uh, recently launched our Patreon page. Guys, yes. if you were uh, interested in uh, helping support, keep the lights on, everything like that, you know, uh, little as $1 a month, that would be really, really beneficial to us. And, you know, we've got some things that we're doing as well for people who, who pledge. Uh, but, you know, if you guys can, can do that, that would be fantastic because we, we do want to grow and we do want to do more things. And yes. that's just, you know, the, 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 the position that we're in right now. And, you know, again, I, I don't like giving something for nothing. So we, we will have some more stuff. But um Absolutely. Absolutely. The more the more that we have, the more that we can do, so to speak. So, uh, also, if you guys are on social media, to look up uh, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. Look up Because Maybe Network. Uh, that's where we're at. Go to bit.ly slash bm... Network. Network dash YouTube. Thank you very much for that. And, of course, as of right now, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. And over the next couple of weeks, like I mentioned, Pandora, we're going to try and look at... We're going to look at uh, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and yes. anywhere good podcasts are found. Woohoo. And so, yeah. so Where do you listen to podcasts, people? Let us know. Yeah, let us know so that we can, you know, expand our horizons. So we horizons. can beg them. Yeah, so we can beg them. Hey. Please uh, take us. Yeah, and also you know, uh, just just like I mentioned, the, these ep- these these uh, the episodes are uh, uploaded to YouTube one week after they're released on the audio feed. Yes, that way for those people who listen to YouTube yes. podcasts through YouTube, which I don't understand really, but oh well, uh, we're on there. Uh, our YouTube channel, don't by the way, listen to him. You guys are awesome. No, you guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. Uh, on our YouTube channel, we have uh, video games, uh, walkthroughs, we have sample episodes, and those might be moving to Facebook. Not like as in we're taking off one platform into another we're just gonna you know add them add them to add them yes they'll also be available also be available okay my language skills are underdeveloped today why i'm here yes it's it's first thing in the morning on a hot day in louisiana so you know (laughs) okay so we're gonna wrap this up for a moment and uh, we'll be right back to talk about uh the breakthrough album of one of the most important bands of the 90s Review Corner. All right, guys, so here we are. We're going to be talking about uh, Dookie by Green Day. Yes. Um, an album that has got the most ridiculous, childish name possible, but ironically, like the Blink-182 album that we uh, did a couple of months ago, is surprisingly deeper than, than it's given credit oh, for. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. But, I mean, this is the album that uh, kids loved asking for their parents to pick it up for them. Can I get Dookie? I mean, just... <laughs> yeah. I mean, you it's, know... It's every, you know, 13-year-old boys or girls, in my case. Yeah. Well, no. Wait. That was 94... 15. Yeah. No, you were 13. 13? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 13 okay. 94. Yeah. yeah. And I was 10. Aw. Yeah. I was your, I was your weedle baby. I was Utsy Butsy. I was Utsy Butsy. Yeah. Uh, but no, it, and in fact, it came out on my sister's birthday in '94. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, so yeah, that happy birthday. Uh, he's right. he's Dookie. Um, <laughs> right. But like you know, like I said, it, it, it's a child. It's a childish name, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, as we'll go, as we'll find out here as we move along, it's actually more deep than um, than its name suggests. You know, uh, Billy Joe Armstrong was going through a lot and kind of poured his heart and soul into this album while keeping the pop punk vibe to it. Mm-hmm. So, this album was released February 1st, 1994. Mm-hmm. Good year. 
it was a very good year. That was the year of definitely maybe park life. It's a good year musically. Yeah, it's kind of a crap year for Kurt, but that's okay. Oh, you know he lived he lived the best life, and you yes. Know, Anywho, yeah. blame Dave for that. No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, it reached uh, number two in the Billboard in the United States and number thirteen in the United Kingdom, which uh-huh. uh, surprises me a little bit because here's the thing, right? In the Billboard charts at the time, mm-hmm. top. I think you do top, what, top 40 albums? Yeah. In the UK, we only did top 10 albums. Really? So even though there was, you know, a ranking underneath the top 10, obviously, like singles coming in at number 65 or whatever, we only really counted the top 10. So the fact that it wasn't even a top 10 album in the UK kind of surprises me because, you know, I first heard of this this album uh, on MTV2, surprisingly Mm. enough. You know, know, here we had... uh Casey Kasem, and then uh, Rick Dees in the weekly top 40, oh. depending on what station or coast you were on. But those, uh, I think the Casey Kasem one now, that's the one Seacrest took over. Yeah. I think so. Swing yeah. Scoop! Right. Green Bay number five! Right. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, For those who don't know, Casey Kasem was the voice of Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. So. Yes. But, um... Yeah, in the UK, we had uh, Noel Edmonds, I think it was, and uh, I always remember my cousin would always record the top 40 every week, and I'm like, mm-hmm. but he never listened to it. And okay, everybody then. recorded the top 40 and never listened to it the next week, and he used the same tape every week. Okay. So, I don't know. People are weird. But, um, so this was produced by uh, Billy Joe Armstrong, Trey Cool, and Mike Dirt of Green Day, Rob Cavello, and uh, Jerry Finn. Jerry Finn became like the godfather of this kind of music scene. You know, uh, people wanted a nice, clean, crisp sound and for it to be polished while still maintaining the musical side of things. Maybe not right. production aesthetic, but definitely the, you know, the the raw music aspect of it. Uh, it sold between 12 and 14 million copies, so it's a worldwide smash. Um, you know, selling 14 million albums in the mid-90s for a rock band at the early part of the 90s, mm-hmm. early to mid, was kind of, you know, unusual at the time. You know, because a lot of pop acts were still trying to get their way in there, and, you know, the big bands were only selling two, three, four million copies. So for something to sell 12, you know. Yeah, but it's also, I mean, for 12 to 14, but this is also in that era that's post, you know, metal heyday and in the midst of grunge. And, yeah. and Green Day aren't grunge. No. So, I mean, they were rock, but not that. You know, they they were they weren't. You know, they were post eighties hair band metal. I guess yes. you could describe it. And I think the only reason they were classed as pop punk was because of the production of the of the stuff, right? You know, um, if they made it raw, Aurora, you know, it could have been, be, been grungy. Yeah, not so necessarily grungy, but more authentic punk, I guess. Um, so what happened, right, is that they released an album called Kaplunk. And it was a huge hit underground. Right. I mean, like, you know, it was it was fantastic, you know. Uh, it got them a lot of credibility and it brought them to the attention of, you know, the major labels. And they signed for a reprise. Mm-hmm. And because uh, Rob Cavello was the only person we could talk to and connect with. Right. And, you know, in the 90s, I think that was more important than than, than money to a lot of the artists. I mean, you hear, you know... You hear, yeah, they needed someone that, that they felt could represent them or connect with them. Yeah, I mean, Nirvana said that with um, Butch Vig. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Blue said it with Food Records. Oasis said it with Creation Records. It wasn't right. necessarily the money. It was the artistic control right. that, you know, that, that, that helped them out. But the sign-in to the major label didn't 
endear themselves to the scene at all. Right. Um, they left, even though they left their previous label on good terms, the Gremlin Club, which is a notorious punk club, banned them for life for selling out. Yeah, and yeah, depending on where you stand on the punk scene, um, this was Green Day's sellout album. You know, so, um, now there's a lot of people that don't think so, but your punk purists, you know, that this is, this is sort of like the, the, the decline of Green Day. And I've never understood the sailing out thing. I never understood it, right? Because a couple of the songs on this album, they recorded, origi- they re-recorded the versions from Kaplunk, right? Right. So they're still making the same music. You know, um, you and I, okay, you and I watched uh, many times the uh, Ray Charles movie, Mm -hmm. right? And he went from the, you know, uh, hit the road jack and, Mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff. And then Georgia on my mind when he changed labels. Right. And people thought he was selling out, but that was his decision. It wasn't as if they went into the record label and the label said, you have to change your complete musical style, you know? I mean, there's growth as artists and and people don't take the bits, but, but that's the whole, I mean, that's a mindset. Because when you're when you're small and you're underground, there's a level of of quote unquote ownership for yes. your fans. You know, like the, like you're theirs, and and your your art is for them, which it is because you know that's that's what attracted them to. But but they don't want to let you go so that other people can enjoy the same thing. You know, so. Um, I remember reading an interview on the uh, on the topic of selling out. I remember reading an interview years ago with uh, Trent Reznor, and I'm paraphrasing this, but he was talking about how um, when he was um, really struggling uh, uh, right around downward spiral with because he he got a hold of a lot of sellout, you know, shtick too. But actually, of all people to sort of talk him around on that, it was Bono. (laughs) So Bono basically just said, look, you know, you're writing things that are connecting with people and you're based here. So why shouldn't somebody in Ohio get the chance to be moved by your art? You know what I mean? Like it's it's not selling out. It's it's broadening your uh not even so much fan base, but reachability. Yeah. I mean, your impact. That's what we look for. And again, I, I'm paraphrasing it because it's been a while since I've read yeah, this. But I, what you mean. but I mean, it's the same concept. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, one of my favorite books is uh, Mick Foley's first autobiography, and he mm-hmm. even you know puts it in his thing. You know, I've been uh, I've been serenaded with you sold out chance. Well, let's let's take a look. I like to do what I do. I like to do right. what I do for money. Right. And you I gotta like pay the bills. To, and I like to do it in front of a lot of people. Well, since I've started working here, I've made more money. I've worked. I've had some of my best work, and right. I'm doing it in front of more people. I haven't sold out. Yeah, but the history of art, there's always going to people. I mean, even from yeah. painters back in the day, there's always, as soon as something is done and people can see that it's, that, that or, or someone can perceive that you're not making art for the sake of art, you're doing it for money. Yeah. At that point, people just, they get all up in their fifis. And, and I just... I- I guess it's, it's I, I don't, you know, I don't understand it. I don't get it. Be, uh, I mean, okay, I understand why they do, but I don't right. get why they do it, if that makes well, sense. Well, I mean, you know. Because, I mean, art is subjective, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I went on my rant last week about uh, supporting your local music scene, it is important to support your local yes. music scene. Don't 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 get me wrong. Absolutely but, it is. 
you know, if your goal as part of your local music scene is to expand to another, you know, to expand your outreach, as you said, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't get why people would be upset with that. You know, if if I like a cheeseburger, I'm going to want other people to eat this cheeseburger. Right. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I've, n- I've never understood the sailing out thing. And, you know, but um, it did cause a, a, a lot of their, their hardcore fan base to never listen to them again. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's just it's just unique to me. Um, the album was actually uh, remixed a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, they tried it themselves. They tried it with um, Rob Cavello and then they brought Jerry Finn on board. And I think we mentioned uh, we mentioned earlier, Jerry Finn became like the godfather right. of the pop punk sound. He went on to work with uh, The Offspring, Blink-182, Sum 41, you know, all, all, all the bands that you associate with this kind of sound, the, the punky, clean kind of thing, you know? Yeah. He, was, he, was, he was a very good polisher of albums. Polisher sort of sort like the specter of punk. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's he's he was a damn talented man and, yes. and he is missed. You know, um, he's a damn good producer. Damn good producer. But um, the album kept with Green Day's aesthetic of writing personal songs. Right. But uh, this album was more dominated by um, Billy Joe Armstrong's life than most of the other albums. Yeah, he was going through some things. I mean, you know, this this was a rough time in his life and yeah. as we'll go through here in some of the tracks, uh, you know, he, 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 he wrote some 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 good stuff and he wrote some some great stuff and he wrote some okay stuff. Um That's every album though. Yeah, that's true, that's true. But I mean this this album was really, really good. Now before we go ahead and start talking, we usually do a track by track. Yeah. And uh, I did a lot of research going into this. And I could find very little, if anything, about some of the tracks on this album about what they're about. So I want to apologize in advance if this seems a little incomplete. But, um, like I said, I work, you know, we, we worked hard researching this. And this is, you know, the, the stuff that we've got, we will talk in depth on. But, uh, you know, we didn't get every single track on this album. Like we've done with other tracks that we've done in the past so i just want to make that clear right now so this is a 15 track album uh billy joe armstrong performs basically the guitars mike dirt is bass and backing vocals and trey cool drummer and lead vocals on a couple of tracks um one of my favorite green Dray tracks is done by uh trey cool so uh we'll get with that when it comes time so let's start with um longview okay this was like one of the first songs on on the album to come out. Um, right. Very very distinctive bassline. Well, yeah. I think it it's a really really good. I don't want to say trippy, but you know it's very very. The song is basically centered around that bassline. Well, yeah. Um, very difficult to play. Yeah, I can imagine. If you were you know, heavy handed and got six fingers like I've got, um, but it was originally <laughs> written when uh. Mike Dirt was on LSD and just completely nearly bombed out of his mind and just started ripping this, this sequence together and boom, it became. Um, it's a song about boredom. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these tracks are songs about boredom, sexuality. Yes. You know, um, pe- okay, people say that teenage years are the hardest growth of your life. I think your early 20s are even harder. Because you've got the responsibility but no direction. Whereas with teenagers, you've right. got no direction, but you're still growing. By the time you hit a certain age, people expect you to be grown, and you still got to find your feet. Mm. And that's what kind of this this track is about. What What do you think of 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 Longview, the the 
song, not the town. <laughs> yeah, because we don't live that far from Longview, Texas. And every, and that bass line, every time I drive through it, it's... Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's one of the ones, it's one of the first songs you think of when you think of this album. And for some people, that bass line, I mean, when you think of classic Green Day, that's the first thing that pops in your head. Yeah. So, um, I think it's a brilliant track. Um, the ability to take boredom and, 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 and this goes for the whole album, basically, but the ability to take the subject of being so bored, but being to articulate your boredom this well yep. is, I mean, that just shows who they are as lyricists. Yeah, definitely. So, because it it is hard to put in, you know, when people say they're bored, they don't understand why they're bored. But the fact that he was, you know, he was able to do it, you know, I mean, he he literally said in this song that he doesn't want to cook, he doesn't want to eat, he doesn't want to go out, he's sitting at home, and excuse my language, even jerking off is not fun anymore, mm-hmm. you know. And for for a guy to admit something like that, <laughs> that's you know, that's All right. like that. that, but that you're, but you're, you're bored. That, but you're you're that bored because you're not in a good place. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because day to day stuff is mundane and it, it's just it's depressing, and you don't have enough going on and to keep you busy away from the mundane when all you have is just a basic day-to-day bs and you're done i mean you know there's yeah yeah and 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 you know nothing to look forward to either right because you can even put excitement in you know i might be bored now but i've got this coming and now it's like oh you know? right so uh welcome to paradise this was re-recorded off the uh first off kaplunk um dang good song you know, very yes. very energetic, very very upbeat. Um, in terms of the the the, the, the a, it is a good song. Yeah, um, it's got a lot of the hallmarks that come along for the album. You know, mm-hmm. very very short, very very fast paced, and uh, good harmonies. C major chord sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, again, this was not necessarily talking about boredom, but this is what we got. Welcome to paradise. Right, you know, um, this, this is, is best, life. This is life. This is as good as this is as good as it gets. You know, mm-hmm. and again, good song, good energy to it. Uh, very, very well written lyrics again. Uh, and and it and it tapped into. I mean, while Green Day aren't grunge, um, you know, punk and grunge share that working class commonality right right like you know there's it's same thing with nirvana you know you you go you know you're either staying at home getting effed up or you're doing the same bs you know nine to five soul killing whatever every day and that's that's all you have it resonated with right right because because remember nirvana was i don't say more teenage or anything like that but i mean when folks started listening to Nirvana, they were, you know, they were younger, right? Right. Late teens, early 20s. And by the time Green Day came around, those same people were listening to the Green Day and it was more... It's like when you watch a kid show that... Okay, Harry Potter is a great mm-hmm. example, right? The first the first two Harry Potter books are kid-kid books because they're sent mm-hmm. around 11 and 12-year-olds. Right. But by the time you get to the last Harry Potter books, they're 16 or 17. Right. And it's a completely different dichotomy. You can identi- yeah, you yeah. can identify more with them. So... This resonated with the Nirvana fans, or the Grunge fans, I sh- should say, who were a little older and a little bit more jaded. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, this, uh, uh, yeah, Gen Xers. So. Is Gen X the millennials or is that Gen Y? No, Gen Y is millennials. Gen Y is millennials. Now, for those people who don't understand, let me let me say this. When you say millennials, <laughs> you mean people between the age of 30, 30 and 40. Not teenagers and 20-year-olds. It's between 30 and 40. Eh, not quite. Well, ish. Ish. Okay, between okay, between twenty five and thirty five, yes. or twenty five and twenty seven, yes. uh, thirty seven, something like that. Yes, I'm a millennial. It it doesn't mean and technically that- I'm a Gen Xer, and there's only three years between us. Yes, so you're Zenial, aren't you? Zenial, yes. Uh, I'm is- that tail end. Yeah. So tail end of one, beginning of another. All right. So, um, all right. Then we we're going to do an episode on Zenials at some point. Yes, we, we probably will. Um, probably will soon, actually. But anyway, um, basket case. Ah, yes. The song on the album. The mm-hmm. the, 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 the recognizable um, <laughs> worldwide smash hit. And this is how I got introduced to Green Day. Yeah. I was... Uh, it's long viewer basket cases usually, depending on what uh, radio market you were in or when I come around. Yeah. Um, for, for me, uh, like I mentioned, basket case was on um, something called... U- there, was, there was a TV show on MTV2, right? In the UK. Mm-hmm. Or in Europe, I'm sorry. MTV didn't They still do play music then. They still play music. Um, mm. MTV2 had Viewer's Choice Hour or something like that. And you go onto their website and you pick like 15 or 16 songs. It's like Total Request Live. Yeah, but you'd pick 15 or 16 songs and then they would play those 15 or 16 songs, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And like I'd, I'd be watching this while doing my, my work and everything and Basket Case, When I Come Around Longview were always... Right. Every couple of hours, at least one of those songs were on that, and I, and, I, and, I, and I went into it. Um, this is basically a tale of uh, Billy Joe Armstrong's depression and panic and anxiety at the time. Right. Um, it was... The video is, it, is set in a mental hospital, too, which I, which I love the, 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 subtle, the subtlety to that, you know? It's, it's like, not really subtle. Well, no, but you... you <laughs> I know what you mean. You know what you mean? It was like, you know... Um, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> sorry, I lost my train of thought. But um, anxiety and panic disorder. Yes, and you know, it's it's also him coming to terms with who he was, right? Because in uh, verse three, right, he, he says, "I went to a shrink to analyze my dreams," right? Mm-hmm. And then he talks about, "I went to a who said my life's a bore." And now, mm-hmm. what people don't know is the quote unquote he went to was a male prostitute. Ah. And he wanted to challenge the listener to make sure that, you know, things weren't black and white. You right. Know? Because the the first thought when a rock singer sings, I went to a they think prostitute, female, mm-hmm. you know, and it wasn't, you know, it was, it was Billy Joe trying to come to terms with his bisexuality, which is a theme of this, which is one of the major themes of this album. Right. You know, because he was struggling with who he was. Right. You know, and a lot of people do struggle with that and don't really know who they are until later in life, you know. Um, but it's a damn good song. Worldwide Smash. Um, some great, great progression. The drumming on it is like wild, I guess you could say. Yes. And, you know, it was, it was a, it, it, it was lyrically really good as well. Yeah. You know, and th- and that's that's the thing, and, th- and I'll say this, I'll, I'll touch more on it later, but I think Billy Joe Armstrong is a very underrated lyricist, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's very Lennon McCartney punk. 
Um, in the, in the sense that, you know, the, the lyrics are, are very, you know, strong and the melody is, is, it's more up and down, up and down. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's really well written. Well written. Well written. And, yes. you know, but, um, yeah, so, so basically, so like I said, that's, that's what, uh, that's what introduced a lot of people worldwide to the, to the band. And, you know, it's, it's, it's going to stay, it's going to still be played. Mm-hmm. Maybe 15, 20, 30 years from now. And it's been 15, 20 years since this, 25 years since it came out. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the next song yes. is called She. Yes. Right. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was inspired by is inspired by his ex girlfriend showing him uh, a poem about feminism, mm-hmm. and um, called, called "She." Now I, I I've not read the poem or hear the poem. Um, it that, that's where that's where it was inspired from. But this is one of like many songs that Billy Joe Armstrong wrote about this ex girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, he took the breakup very very difficult. Because she moved to the she moved with the Peace Corps to uh, Ecuador, right? Right. So he wrote uh, "She," uh-huh. uh, "Fresh Roots," which we'll talk about here in a minute. Right. The song "Chump," mm-hmm. which is on this album. Mm-hmm. Uh, "Good Riddance," "Time of Your Life," mm-hmm. and the song "What's a Name" off "American Idiot." Right. So that's a huge back catalog. You know, three songs on one album, and then like the second biggest hit that they had right which was played at every prom oh, in the 90s yes. without realizing it's like the people who play one at the wedding yeah without realizing that oh, it's a breakup Jesus. song Jesus yes <laughs> uh, I think our song is like a breakup song isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah but I mean oops yeah but it, it yeah it resonated with both of us but yes. um you know it 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 showed that 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 Billy Joe had like a um also what I'm looking for not vindictive side but definitely a um compulsive side. Yes. Cuz you know he he wrote three songs about this one person. You know, it's not uh Damon Albarn writing 13 about Justine Frischman bad, but you know considering that this this ex-girlfriend ended up on three of their biggest albums. Mm-hmm. You know you know maybe if he if they want to be bigger again that he needs to write more about her again i don't know you know it's just it's, it's it to me again like like with the selling out thing it just seemed very very weird you know to put that much stock in yeah but i mean you know when when one person you know i think and people are capable of loving multiple people over the course of their lifetime and you love yeah. different people in different ways um you know you'll never even if you know something happens and you are married more than once or you know you're you're widowed and you marry again um or having you know, another committed relationship however um there's always even if you're hurt by different people there's always one that's going to sting a little more than the rest true and it and it and it could be due to um and usually it's we you know when you're younger because you there's that more vulnerable part of you you know what I mean that that you gave that that you gave to them and if it doesn't work I mean that's you know that's the younger you are the harder you love right right um 
I don't know if I'd say the harder you love, but it, it but it's a different. It, it's a it's not not a pure, but it it comes from a more innocent part. Yeah. you know what I mean. Like you're not, you know, you're not jaded at, as much when you're younger, and you're, you know, the the world hasn't beaten the the snot out of you as much, and so you have more, you know, more to to give and. When that person does that, or, you know, when it doesn't work out, if it doesn't work out, um, you know, that, that one's always going to smart a bit more than the rest. So, uh, I could definitely see, you know, where that was coming from. Yeah. And all these songs that he wrote, you know, um, about, about, as we want to, to, uh, set fresh roots for a minute, right? Not all the songs are happy songs. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you look through, um, I mentioned 13 Bubble, right? That was Damon mm-hmm. Albarn's big mm-hmm. breakup to Justin Frischman. It was, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, we're over, I understand right. that, you know, right. and, and he's some good times that we shared, blah, 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 blah. Right. The song says Fresh Roots um, is kind of his more song for the dumped, so, right. to, so to speak. Um, right. ben, for, for those who don't know, Ben Falls Five released a song called Song for the Dumped. And basically the chorus goes, give me my money back, you <laughs> Yeah, I wish I hadn't bought you dinner before you dumped me on my front right. porch, you know. Right. Um, so uh, this song, he talks about all the things that uh, they did that just that she did that wasted his time and how if they ever got back together, he would do everything to waste her time to know how, you know, it's very, very spiteful, very, very... It's petty. It's petty. It's very, he put very his petty petty hat on. And and not just, not just, he was just it's just his anger. He's hurt. Situation. Yeah. Yeah, because you know folks do get hurt when they uh, right. Get but but again, I mean, art. The best art comes from immense joy and immense pain. I oh, mean, yeah. you know, uh, I'm, that's not saying that people don't make great art on a melancholy day or you know a regular mundane day. Yeah. But um, usually, you know, the, the stuff that's that has the most emotional attachment that resonates more um, comes from you know you're in, you're either in a really good place. Or you're not. I mean, so it's no it's no coincidence, right? That the best music eras came after political um strike discord. You know, yeah. the the seventies, yeah, the nineties, right, the eighties. You know, look, I, I crack on eighties music all the time because of the you know, but the eighties did did have a lot of good music as well. Right. You know, the the eighties was fantastic music. Power ballads, yo. Power ballads, but not not even just power ballads. You know, just everything else too. Right. You know? um, art, modern art, uh, comedy, movies. You know, they all came after political strife, and the, right. and the guys who made the guys and gals who made them grew up in those areas that were most affected by the political BS right. that was going on, you know? And when things are, quote-unquote, happier or more stable, the art doesn't necessarily reach the high quality, well, you know? Well, yeah, but it also, I mean, it goes, it, it touches... Right, no, but it goes back to that whole boredom thing. Yeah. Because working, poor and working class people are the, are the ones that are most affected by um political changes yeah, yeah. i mean they're the ones who i mean if you have enough money who whoever's in the white house it, it doesn't really affect you or number 10 
Well, this is true. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, whoever is in charge, um, the HBIC, uh, <laughs> it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't affect you as much. But it, it all goes back, you know, to, to what we were saying earlier about um, joy and pain. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, uh, Billy Joe, that was what, three, four songs? I mean, you know, it, look at Adele. Yeah. She did two albums off one breakup. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean... There's a new one coming out soon, sadly. Well, yeah. Sadly. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't wish breakups on anybody. No. But, uh, but unless you're one of those people, you know, unless you're a professional songwriter and the kind that that are talented enough to crank that, you know, like the Carol King, you know? I mean, unless... Desmond Child. Right. Unless you're Burt Bacharach, whatever. Unless you're... <laughs> uh, and they and they don't even have those songwriting you know houses anymore like they used to. No, but I think um, only Nashville has those those kind yeah, of things. Yeah, but I mean, but unless you're one of those, and even then, you're you're having to to tap into something. You yeah. know what I mean? But usually, you know, that stuff comes immediately related, you know, or uh, not, you know, related to something after something, you know, good, bad, ugly, whatever. Now there are some people again who are very prolific with their songwriting who can tap you know they they just they're gifted in the fact that they don't have to wait for good and bad things to happen they can just tap into you know inspiration losing their cat when they were four and then next thing you know you've got the most you know or you know michael jackson writing about his pet mouse i mean (laughs) (laughs) so poor ben but um, but 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 you see what i'm saying i mean so um, yeah yeah. i mean it's um, i mean you know I was the best way to say this. I, I mean, I understand. I understand. It's a whole tortured artist thing. Yeah, it, I, th- I think you know. Um, it's it's no coincidence, I guess, that that you know, by the time the third or fourth album comes around, for example, when life gets easier for the writer, it's mm-hmm. it, it's harder. It's to, harder to come in. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, one of my favorite musicians, one of your favorite musicians, Noel Gallagher. Um, you listen to like the fourth album that Oasis did, which right. I know is your favorite album. Yes. But even he said that, uh, you know, he was coming at it from a place of just doing it to do it, you know? Right. And it took another album of weeding through the, the grass right. to get his mojo back. And then Oasis recorded uh, album number six, which was, in my opinion, their second best album. Right. Um, you know, sorry for all you Morning Glory fans out there. It's not. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, but then you look at other artists too, and... I mean, you're right. You know, people can, can people draw upon any inspiration that they can to to get it out the door. And you know, I think my own personal songwriting stuff. It's no coincidence that uh, I haven't written much in five years. Right. You know, because I've got nothing to write about. Because now I've got what I wanted, so to speak. Right. You know what I mean? So I, I have nothing to to pine for. You know what? What am I going to write? Write about supper tomorrow night? You know, so you know. Um, Ode to meatloaf. Yeah, pro- probably going to be meatloaf, <laughs> if not tonight. Right. Um, so, uh, okay. Enough, enough philosophical Sorry. nonsense right now. No, 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 no. I'm just joking about that. We, we, I, I, lo- I love going off on those tangents because you know it, it, it makes it makes me sound more intelligent than I actually am. Uh, <laughs> okay, when I come around. Yes. My favorite Green Day song. Yes. I, lo- I love this song, and and I and it it. Says a lot about me and the style of music that I like. That this sounds the most "quote unquote" British, and, okay. and what I mean by that is, you know, it's 
not fast paced it's medium paced uh, it's got a guitar solo <laughs> right it's, you know it's got a, a sing-along chorus yes you know so it tells the kind of music that that i enjoy the most um this was uh now he had the breakup with his girlfriend many many years before this uh he's married at this point mm-hmm. and uh they argued they had like a knockdown drag out and he left for a yeah, couple he of took days. a walk yeah and um it you know it's 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 more traditional style rock song as opposed to the punk elements that came through to it um the album not the album excuse me the song mm-hmm. um it's kind of it's kind of how guys see the end of arguments right and what Pray i mean tell mr connelly I, what i mean by that is it's his way of saying yeah i was wrong but you were wrong too right and you know uh because the modern the modern perception is is that you know the woman's always right and the men's always wrong, and that's such horse crap. Well, I, I mean, I'm like, wrong all I'm, the time. <laughs> but I mean, like you know, the the, the, the trope, you know, <laughs> right. the, the trope is that the husband is wrong, the wife is right. You know, right. happy happy wife, happy life. You can either be right or happy. You know, all all those. Now, sometimes right or happy is true, but that's yeah. not. But then that's but that has less to do with the sex of the person that you're arguing with, and just I mean, you know, how pedantic are we going to be today? Yeah. But 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 but. None of those things are true. It's just, it's a tired trope, you know. It's mm-hmm. a tired sexist trope, and he tapped into that, I guess, from the other point of view. It's like you know, I heard you crying all the way over town. Uh, I'm a loser, and blah 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 blah. And he's saying, look, you know, I did some bad stuff. You did some bad stuff. Right. Let's just make up. Let's put it behind us. Let's yeah get over it. And one of the things I love about this song is the fact that it's so easy to play. I guess that's the, another reason why this is one of my favorite songs because it is easy. What three chord, four mm-hmm. chord rock? You know. Let me ask you a question. Go ahead. Sidebar. So you were always right, <laughs> <laughs> y'all. He's trying. Um, when you say when you're talking about you know it's the most British sounding, you know of the of the of the songs on here and in more traditional rock. Does that not just translate to somebody can make a football chant out of it? <laughs> and, and I'm not saying this to be a, no, no, to be a, but seriously, is there? Surely there is. It's more okay. What I mean, okay. When I say when I say my by more British, right? The uh-huh. top British musicians are musical rock acts of all time. Right. Right. Anthem. Yes, I get that. And this that is they the, make football chants yeah. out of. Yes. Okay, okay. So, so I mean, yeah, this could this could be worked into a football chat. Somebody somebody yeah, somebody probably, has it some point. Probably, probably mid nineties, whatever, but yeah. I mean, um this is the most anthematic song on the album. Well, you know, it is, it is. But but as a Brit, I mean, just are you naturally drawn to things that that someone can make a football chant out of? Possibly. Yeah, that's yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. you know, <laughs> And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Well, this is the thing. Football chants have, have penetrated every other area of British sport now. The darts. The bloody darts get football chants. Y'all have chants at darts? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Snooker chants. Oh, no, but not, not a snooker. No, no, no. That's, that's more refined. Um, wait, stop, 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 stop. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. You won't chant at somebody popping balls around on a table. But when someone is slinging sharp objects, you're going to, hey, batter, batter, swing him? Not necessarily. No, no. It's, it's like, <laughs> I throw my three, right? And then there's uh-huh. something in there. And then in between the, in between the games. Uh-huh. I mean, you got to understand, right? 
when I first started watching uh, Dallas in the in the early nineties, the guys would just literally <laughs> walk on stage. I love the fact that y'all have like televised starts. Oh yeah, two oh, world championships. God. Oh Jesus. Um, they just get up there, they throw their arrows, they drink the drink, blah mm-hmm. blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. By the time by like the early two thousands, I mean they they were putting WWE to shame with their entrances. Guys coming down in Ric Flair style robes with mm-hmm. background music, you know. I, I, this is amazing. Uh, yeah. Look, my if, mom played darts in the wrong country. Or wait, are there like, do women get the same? Is it co-ed? No, it's not co-ed. <gasps> but it's we, darts. It's I, regulation I height. I know. I, I, I'm with, there, there are certain games that I agree should be co-ed. Darts, snooker, pool. Bowling. Any, anything that doesn't require quote unquote physical strength. Because there are some dudes who are huge, some women who are small, and everything in between. And, you know, look, you can look at me like that all you want to, but the thing is, the 100-meter dash, the male world record is a full second faster than the female world record. You know? No, no, I mean, that's not what I'm... I mean, <laughs> that's not what I'm... What, if it's you and a thing... Yeah. It should be co-ed. I know. If it's like you curling. and a ball in the lane, if it's you... And a stick and a ball on the table. If it's, if it's you and a pointed thing. and what, Yeah, I mean, there's that's... Oh, that's BS. But the, the good thing is in, in the darts tournament is that they're given... The females do get the same screen time. Do they get entrances? Yeah. I need to Google this. You, you can go ahead and Google it. We need to... Well, we're going we're gonna to post links to... <laughs> after this episode drops, I want to see... I want, I, want to, I want a thread of... Of the best darts entrances. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But this look, is going like, to happen. Like, my sisters go to the darts every year. Like the, the, yeah, but your dad played darts for a while. Yeah. Yeah. He could have gone. He could, if, if things had worked out a little better for him and, and he had the uh, gumption to do it, he could have gone pro. Oh, Lord. I mean, my mom did darts and, and she went regional and did, you know, yeah. all kinds of stuff. But, I mean, of course, here we're so big. But, yeah. I mean, it's... But, but no, even my, I mean, even, even my dad was uh, on regional darts team and everything. Yeah. And he could, he could have actually... He, he could have qual- gone to qualify for the world title tournament. But uh, he couldn't do it because he had to work. He had a job. He had a, a job. jobby job. Yeah. You oh, know? my God. Your dad walking out with the Ric Flair robe. <laughs> uh, Feather boa. I've seen yes. him walk up with a Ric Flair robe once or twice getting out the tub. But, yes, you know. feather boa and sequins. Oh, yes. Uh, the Coleman, he would have been called. Because uh, they all, they've all got nicknames, yeah, of too. of course. You know, so... Um, Sorry, guys. We went <laughs> off on a whole working class tangent that just, yeah. We'll, we'll do a random Ooh. episode one day, and no, no one will like, we'll speak about one thing the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Y'all know y'all miss me. Okay. So, um, coming clean. Mm-hmm. Um, this was Billy Joel Armstrong's outing song. Yes. This is where he outed himself. This yes. is where he came out as a bisexual man. Um, and this is basically his coming to terms with who and what he is. Right. And, you know, um, he even said himself that this is something that comes up as a struggle in me all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's if you are struggling with who you are, it does affect you very, very Right, you know, it's it's even if even if you've become accustomed to it, even if you you you've you know you've outed yourself years and years and years ago, it could still come and bother you. Right, you know, if you if you haven't come to terms with it, and by coming to terms with it, it's like you know, we're trained in in this world that you know the the quote unquote normal thing is 
is to be straight. And he was struggling with that. Especially then. Not, especially not, not then. so much now, but especially then. I mean, because, you know, I think we touched on this before, um, but like the early 90s to the to, to, to basically the early 90s was the last era where mainstream wise being gay was um not forbidden but necessarily hush hush you know right and the mid 90s it became quote unquote acceptable which is stupid but um but at the time you know it was still it was accepted but it was also poked fun at a lot too you know and it's like well, pre will and grace post will and grace um pre elton john post elton john <laughs> i think you know it's it, it was kind of about 99 where it became quote unquote acceptable uh, not acceptable but normal right um yeah well i mean and then also you know on top of the you know societal and religious stigma whatever yeah. you would have placed on it um, you also had post eighties and the AIDS epidemic. Yeah. There was there was so much, you know, um stigma still. Yeah, there was stigma because then ignorant people would you know, they would find out someone is gay and, you know, oh my god, do they do they have HIV? Yeah. Do they you know what I mean? Like like it, it it like it it suddenly meant, you know, quote unquote unclean. Yeah. And which is just Whatever. And I mean, at the time, too, in rock music, it was all get the girls, get the girls, get the girls. Oh, the girls. yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, especially in rock music. Well, well I yeah. I mean, when you say especially rock music, here's here's the thing. Um, pop, you could get away with it. Uh, but rock music is is still very masculine driven rock, rap, country music. Yeah. Um, you know, those, those masculine genres, because some people still see, you know, equate homosexuality as being less, right, right, as effeminate, you know, you're less masculine, which is just ridiculous. It's it's really funny when, um, you know, you look at, uh, you look at a city like Newcastle. Right. Right, in England. Right. And Newcastle is a very, very tough, macho city. Mm-hmm. But it is also populated by the largest bear community in the UK. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know what a bear is, a bear is... You take a look at, like, um, a normal, hard-working... If Larry the Cable Guy was gay, he'd be a bear. Yeah. That's, that's the best way to say it. Yeah. You know, so... Um, you know, it, 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 it proves that you can be, quote-unquote, traditionally masculine right. and still be gay, you know? Right. Um, and I guess, you know, in rock music, I think it, at the time, right, at, mm-hmm. at, by nineteen by, mid, by the mid-90s, um, Freddie Mercury, Elton John, I don't even think Elton John was out at that point. No, but then no. Freddie, you also had, you know, he, he passed of AIDS. Bowie, um... It was an open secret with Bowie. Yeah, well, same thing. I mean, if you knew where to listen with Trent, too, with Trent Reznor. Prince? So, yeah, well, yeah, Tr- yeah. Prince, Prince, you know. But th- that that was it. And now, since since this time, you know, and uh, even the grunge movement, right? The grunge movement, I don't think it had many uh, openly openly gay um, performers in there, but they definitely were welcoming. You know, we've spoken about that in the past, that the grunge right. movement was very, very welcoming. It was, a, it was, lack of a better term, it was a male feminist movement. Right, and then you, you know? had, and then you had Stipe. 
Stipe was later. Yeah, but everybody knew. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if you didn't know, you, kn- you, you knew. Yeah, it was, it was, you suspected, I guess is the better way to say it. And there's still some that I wonder. And I mean, it's, it's absolutely none of my business. No. But like, there's, or there's some people, and I say wonder, there, there are some people that are so in touch with their, I mean, quote unquote, feminine side or whatever. Yeah. That, um, you, 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 you contemplate. And again, you shouldn't. You should. Like, that is such a BS well, thing for me to say. But well, I mean, not, it's human not nature. Well, to say, not even that. You know. I mean, you know, acknowledging that, that, right. that, that, that something's incorrect is, 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 is one thing. I mean, you got people got to remember that, you know, that we grew up in, in a different time. And while those things, well, while those things, well, that's a cop out. Well, I understand it's a cop out, but we all, <laughs> you only know something is wrong when you're told something is wrong. Right. It's like, you know, parents who immediately spank their kids for saying a swear word. How do they know it's a bad word? Right. You know, I can explain it to them first. Right. You know, and if they keep doing it, then there's a problem. But, you right. know, if, 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 if we've been learned a certain way of life, you know, it, it's, it's, we have to get around it and we have to change our ways. That's great. But we have to know what we're saying is wrong first. Right. You know, um, sorry, another tangent. No, and, and uh, but it, it is relevant to, to, mm-hmm. you know, to, uh, to, to the more relevant to the album because, you know, Rock music is a quote-unquote metro place. It is talking about getting the girls. Even the the, the ironic thing is, you know, a lot of the female uh, rock stars, lead singers, you know, a lot of a lot of them are gay themselves. Joan Jett. Um, I think the biggest one uh, right now is Beth Ditto. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 like it's still all about getting the chicks and stuff like that. You know, so it's it's which is hilarious when you're coming post eighties when. I mean, you want to talk about, I mean, look at Poison. My God. They all looked like chicks. Motley Crue back in the day. Yeah. I mean, um, those were some, those hair metal, but those were some pretty boys. It was, it was very, very. It, but ear- yet, but, but yet it was all about, you know, girls, girls, girls. Yeah. You know. They, they looked androgynous, but they were, right. um, you know, they were very, very masculine, mainly men, which is, you know. It's, it's, it's such a dichotomy. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I'm I'm fully in the grunge type of thing where you can be whoever you want to exactly. be. Want, yeah, as long as you're not a super, as long as you're not a supremacist, you are welcome. At a, you're welcome at our pool. You know. Um, so uh, <laughs> okay, going back to Green Day. Sorry, uh, but no. Th- th- I mean, these kind of things are important because they, the, you know, this shows the influence that the, the influence at the time that caused them to write the songs that they wrote, and you know, and and why they why the albums and the and the art was the way it was um one of my favorite green day songs names not necessarily the song is called fod mm-hmm. and uh, i don't know too much about it but uh, i guess you can tell <laughs> by the title <laughs> fod stands for f- off and die mm-hmm. you know and then the final song on the album yay <laughs> yay uh is like it's called all by myself yes and it was written by drummer Trey Cool, performed by drummer Trey Cool, and it is the second song on the album that talks about uh, having. A yes. Uh, <laughs> I was alone. I was all by myself. <laughs> oh God, I love this song. It it, it 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 is a song, and I think you know. Um, it is it is the it is the weirdest damn song, and when you listen to it now, it's just like oh, I mean because he went into a room. <laughs> So he snuck into her house, went into her room, and you know, f- on her bed, which is, is horrible. Though. It's disgusting. 
But as a 13-year-old, you're like, oh, my God. So, yeah. I mean, I mean it's... Yeah. Boys yeah. have come a long way since then, I'd like to think. <laughs> no, they haven't. Well, you wouldn't break anybody's house. But, I mean, you know, there's... No. If, if, if somebody could get away with a song about, you know... Yeah. A funny song about... It, it's timeless. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. And, and, Even now. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's just... I mean, somebody could release a funny song about now and it would still it might not play on the radio but i mean and i think this this also proved a lot of things too is that, that uh, a lot of people were more looser in the 90s i mean yeah because i mean look at um the uh i touch myself that song too yeah so there were there were lots of songs about sexuality and getting your uh self-love self-love yes. yes pulp probably wrote like albums of it God bless you, Jarvis. I love you, man. Um, yes. But no, I mean, it was, it was, you know, it was. Uh, a lot of bands did that at that time. They they always recorded one ridiculous mm-hmm. song and put it on their album. And it's always at the end. Like you had to wait like 15, 20 minutes. Like you wondered why that last track was like twenty seven minutes long. And yeah, I was up on myself. Yeah, so <laughs> they can't do that now. No, because of streaming and stuff. Bonus tracks right now. That is so sad. Like, there's a whole generation that will, that has missed out on bonus tracks. Bonus tracks, B-sides. Bonus tracks, B-sides. Um, imports. Imports. Good prizes in the cereal box. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, how, I mean, newspapers would give away CDs with demos of, like, you know, bands releasing demos to the newspaper. Not not the finished track, just that the demos. That was more of a Brit thing. Okay. Over here, like... I, I used to get all of my um, you know, all of my CDs. I would have to go to my local Books a Million and uh, catch um, Brit magazines that had like one of my favorites, even to this day, is Q Best of the Best '97. That was oh, yeah. a damn good one. Q, um, Q did that a lot. Yeah. So, but those releases with whatever. Um, I remember I have a cassette somewhere from uh, Sassy Magazine. They did one one time. Um, Back in the early 90s. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was usually a magazine, but, that, but it was really hard. To, usually you got those, you only got those, like, if you subscribe to something. Yeah. Um, over here, it was pretty much, you know, you ordered Time Life, uh, <laughs> Time Life collections. Um, hey, do you want every song from the 80s? How much did you pay for it? Wait, don't answer. Oh, no. I mean, okay, so we need to do a poll to find out who... Uh, make a note when this drops we need to do a poll to see how many people owned the living in the 90s actually make that that needs to be an episode the living in the 90s compilation because everybody stateside owned it okay everybody i've got that written down okay uh, coming soon coming soon yes my name was extra episode on i don't know yet but um yeah so you know it it's i think i think one thing we've learned from this episode is how Music was music was changing, and society mm-hmm. was changing. Mm-hmm. We we kind of pinpoint when the quote unquote the the, the cool part of the nineties began. It was like late ninety three, early ninety four. Mm-hmm. Um, this album seven out of ten in my opinion, very very solid. Um, I'd give, I'll it, give it that. I'd yeah. give it an eight if I could find more information about the tracks <laughs> that we uh, that we didn't talk about. Because okay, I give it an eight just from not from a researcher position, but just from someone who has sat down and listened to it a lot. Oh, yeah. You know, back, again, back when, um, you know, 
a shuffle meant that you had a multi-disc player and, you know, like you bounced from one disc drum, but you could only put like five CDs in there. Yeah. So, um, and that, and back in 94, like you had to be balling to have one of those. We have one of those in the car, don't and, we? Yeah. To donate. Um, Doesn't work properly. Right. <laughs> but, uh, no, but I mean, you know, now you can listen to anything, but back then, I mean, listening to music, like you... An album was an experience. Like yeah. you sat down when you got an album, you know, you sat down from start to finish and you listened to everything and you listened to bonus clips because sometimes there were bonus clips between songs. Yeah. Um, CDs ruined that because you couldn't like, you know, put like 30 seconds of, of you know. No, it could be tacked at the end of a track. Uh, yeah, that's what I mean. But yeah. like on, a, on an al- on a vinyl album or a cassette. Well, no, I mean, like there used to be the, I mean... And CDs here. Like, okay. Yeah. So, like, if a song was three minutes, but the track would be like three minutes and 47 seconds, yeah. There would be like a 15 second, you know? Yeah. 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 I so, and, and, you know, it's, it's this album, uh, the attitudes of this was his, this, I think, was his I don't give a f- album. This is who I am. This is what I am. You're going to be bleeping a lot on this. That's fine. Bleepity bit bleeperton. R2D2 is a guest star this week. <laughs> uh, that's that's what the editing machine is for. Yeah. Uh, but um, I, th- I think this was his I don't give a damn album and I'll do what I want and you can like me for who I am or you can... Like it or lump it. Yeah. And I think that attitude went a long way to establishing them as a successful act. All right. Um, and not not only that, I think it went a long way in establishing the attitudes of the people who, you know, grew up in the 90s. Yeah. Because when they hear, you know, we, we, we say it all the time, you know, like Black Panther, for example, mm-hmm. you know, folks can see people on the screen who are like it's them. representation. Yeah. Yeah, it matters. And I know this is this is on a smaller scale, but this was represent representative of be yourself. All right. No matter who that is, just be yourself. You know, if you want to be um, this fine if you want to break into people's bedrooms and all over the covers that's fine too no that's really that's not, not fine yeah, that's, that's not, not fine. fine yeah you shouldn't do that no we anyway. we here at the because maybe podcast do not endorse breaking no. in to someone's bedroom and 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 knocking one out yeah don't don't do that don't do that you're not in, you're not endorsing that but but don't leave your dna in places that are not invited please exactly but i th- but but the point making of that was <laughs> was that they were saying if that if if it's okay to be who you are yes i guess you could say yes yeah, and i was using that as comic yes book, so. um mm-hmm. billy joe armstrong's you know Legal uh, disclaimer right his marital troubles his depression his sexuality all laid bare yes and he left nothing back no i think this this emotionally drained him you know it, it had to have and in spite of it being childish in, in the name and a lot of the things on the album are childish it's surprisingly deep. Yeah, I mean, it's the whole dichotomy. Yeah, I think a, a lot of album, a lot of albums in this genre are like that. We talked yeah. about uh, Blink One Eighty Two's Animal of the State a couple of months back, mm-hmm. and that is surprisingly deep. Yes, um, the Offspring Smash surprisingly deep. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's if you want deep music, I guess listen to pop punk in the nineties. Yeah, because that, that sounds like such a oxymoron, you know. But but no, it, it's actually very very good. Um, this was, I guess, the the the, the uh, foundation of all those '90s pop punk albums, you know, that came out. Um, the likes of the Oxring, Blink One Eighty Two, they weren't directly influenced, but they saw an increase in their sales and visibility, 
you know, because once you've listened to this album a few times, it's like, right, what else is right. up there? You know, well, here, try The Offspring. They're good. Try try Blink-182. They're it's good. like Amazon you know? also bots. Yeah. And, you know... People who listen to this also listen to this. Yeah, Ching! exactly. And, you know, they went from being an underground uh, sensation to a worldwide band, you know. And they released some very, very good albums after that. I think, t- to be honest, Green Day are going to be defined, in my opinion, by three albums. American Idiot, Dookie, and... Nimrod. Nimrod, yep. And uh, because of the fact that their biggest hits came from those albums... I mean, they got a Broadway musical out of American Idiot. Yeah. I mean, look, the, the album Warning is a damn good album. Right. But nobody really yeah. talks about it. But American Idiot was groundbreaking. Dookie, oh, God, groundbreaking. Yes. yes. Nimrod was one of the, was an album that they tried to write every track as like a different style of track, if that made sense. Yeah. You know, There's and, some redundance and, on that one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tom, Tom, my life's on that one. Uh, Hitching a ride, one of one of my favorite Green Day tracks. I love. I just love. I love that kind of song. The dun 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 dun. Mm-hmm. You know. So, so that's it, guys. That's uh, that's that's Green Day wrapped up in a nutshell. Um, but um, yeah, there you go. So, uh, what do you think of this album? Listen on our social media pages, and you know, we will be uh, right back in just a moment. guys thanks for uh, taking time to listen to us we've just got a few more minutes to go and then uh, we'll be on our way thank you very much for taking the time to listen to us though I, it's mega mega appreciated um the other projects that we keep on doing is uh the because maybe gamer that is currently on our youtube go ahead and, and, and go watch it go watch me uh cuss and yell and scream and holler at the fact that i can't yeah, i hit the jump button damn it and uh <laughs> so, but um as i mentioned before guys that's not a completionist walkthrough that's basically showing you how to get from one end of the level to the other without you know without any hassle okay if you want right. to go exploring that's up to you but for me just getting to one into the other is is the point of the game uh we've also got some other things coming on uh th- this week too uh this episode will be broken up into several segments and that will also be put this week and of course this episode will be moved to our youtube page uh, or shared to our YouTube page, mm-hmm. I should say, this coming up Saturday. So, Fabulous. Sarah, thank you for uh, taking the time out of your busy day of being, like, awesome <laughs> to be even more awesome and help right. me out with this. Well, it has been a pleasure, my dear. It has been a pleasure. And uh, next week... Yes. Next week actually starts uh, another three-part series. Yes. And we are going to be... Go spe- big or go home. Go big or go home. And we are going to be speaking about the most important... Invention. Al Gore's internet. Yes, we were talking about Al Gore's internet. Um, no, basically the internet in the nineties. Uh, we will be talking everything from chat rooms, eBay, Usenet, Usenet, GeoCities, U- not Usenet, not Usenet. Usenet. Yeah. Um, dial-up. Yes. Like how this went from a government international thing to like something that literally changed everything that we do like everything we do is due to the internet now yes icr irc even. irc yeah internet relay chat on internet chat relay Sarah. yahoo okay. uh yes aol yes 
And you know, Net that, TV. Net TV. Oh, I had Net TV. Web TV. Web Sorry. TV. Yeah. Or both. Wasn't there, wasn't there Net? I don't know. I had Web I, TV. So I had I had Web TV too. In fact, you 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 saw my Web TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but your Web TV was built into your TV. I yeah. had a little cable box. I don't know. Mine was. Mine yeah, was y'all truth. sold like in the nineties. Y'all sold freaking TVs with. It, that wasn't crazy. We didn't get that for later. Yeah, but, but I mean, you know, it it was a very 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 uh, strange time and. We're going to look into it as best that we can and, you know, talk talk about every single thing that we can think of, you know, as regards to the Internet. Ooh. Ooh. Yes. So that's coming up uh, next week. But guys, if you like what we do and also before we, be, be, mm-hmm. before I tell you if you like mm-hmm. what we do, guys, check if you check out our Patreon page, I mentioned AOL. Yes. If you become a five dollar backer or above. Uh, I'll give you a shout out on the podcast and I'll hey. give you an AOL style nineties. <gasps> oh. Yeah. You know, so basically a lot of people will be called um Star Destroyer six nine four two zero XX, you know. Uh, <laughs> oh t- tell me if you if 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 your AOL screen name didn't have four two zero or six nine in it, were you really considered a badass? Mm, <laughs> but that's com- didn't. Yeah, but that's that's coming up uh, next week, guys. So yes. if you were on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, look because maybe network, go to bit.ly slash BN Network BN Network <laughs> Dash YouTube. Because I still haven't got the custom link yet. Uh, yes. <laughs> look, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and maybe Pandora. Maybe Ooh. somewhere else. But uh, right now, we will bid you all a fond farewell and adieu, and we will see you. So long, farewell, all readers, and goodbye. Next Toodles. Do <laughs> <laughs>